Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glen Owen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, September 24th, 2023. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin, the co-founder and executive director of Naomi's House. Hi, I'm John Vanderbilt, the executive pastor here at Glen Owen Bible Church. And I'm Alex Goff, campus pastor at our Poplar Creek campus. Thanks for tuning in today to the Next Level Podcast. Good morning. Good morning. I never we get that are... last line, so I'm going to make it count. I you know, did. we're in a different order. Yeah. yeah. We are sometimes. Well, it's because we're podcasting today from Barbados, because <laughs> Kelly Kelly is gone, so we are partying. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. You know Amazing. what? True confession, I don't even know where Barbados is. Yeah. It just was the first. It just came to mind. It sounded it just, nice. It, it did, right? Yeah. warm. Right. I don't know. Lovely. Right. I don't know. Although, hey, we're getting some good. Yesterday was beautiful. It's nice in the Caribbean. And sunny and warm. And yes. What? It's in the Caribbean. I thought so. Yeah. You know. Uh, how are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. Good. Good. Great mm-hmm. Monday. Hey, before we jump in, Simone Halpin spoke at oh. our Reckless last night, Ooh. like a room of like 150 kids. We did a cool interview. Um, the theme for Reckless this year, we get to talk about Reckless a whole lot now because <laughs> Kelly and I, are, <laughs> so like student ministry is getting all this play, but um so reckless, our theme this fall is story. We're, we're having people, different people share their story of how God's moved in their life or brought them to faith or an, a cool experience or whatever. And so we did an interview. I interviewed Simone and she shared her story of um, coming to faith and then how God had just m- moved in your life over a decade plus of time to get you to the place to start Naomi's house. It was filled. Her, her interview was filled with stories of God just moving. That's awesome. It was based in the text of Nehemiah and how her story had modeled that. And mm-hmm. it was a huge hit. Like mm-hmm. personally, I was learning from you and the, the group of students was definitely learning from you. I asked the question after you left. Mm-hmm. I said, what we heard tonight was a story of someone who came to faith in Christ in a church in Dallas, Texas, or wherever in Texas Mm -hmm. as a junior in high school. And God, at that moment, started writing a story Mm -hmm. where Simone would be living outside Chicago, working with 200 women who are getting healing and hope and care. I said, only God can write Mm -hmm. that story. So as you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking about all that we heard tonight, I wonder what the story God is writing with your life. Mm-hmm. And um, stu- awesome. students left for, for small groups mm-hmm. and we asked questions like, um, what is a burden on your heart? Because you, your mission came out of a burden that God had laid a burden on your heart. I said, what's, we asked the question, what's burdening your heart? And we heard students talk about, um, I really feel a burden for special needs kids and would love to work with special needs kids. We heard mm-hmm. all sorts of different things that just, that you don't always talk about with high school students that they just start to feel drawn to something. And I think your story was like, for many students was um, some inspiration of like, there's more to me and my life than what I'm just in right now, the hard test or the Mm. bad relationship at school or whatever, like God's writing a story for me and I want to be cognizant of it. So, and there is a place for creativity and dreaming and looking how God has wired you and what are you, you know, what are you passionate towards? That's awesome. Simone, do you, do you enjoy things like that? Is that something you enjoy? Having the speaking, speaking in, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah was that? Did sure. you enjoy yeah. it? Is that? Truth be told, I did ask John to interview me because I was running out of time to write a message. <laughs> so it's like a little. <laughs> yeah. I've heard you. I've heard you speak, and I, I've heard you. You know, obviously, do like an interview type format like that. Mm-hmm. You hit it. You hit a home run both ways. I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, your passion is what comes through. Good, so. good, good, good. Well, I um, just didn't feel like I had the time to put toward a message that I wanted to, and so this was kind of a. Um, a secondary option that I think was great. It was I, great. Yeah, I mean, obviously, John and I know each other very well, so it was easy to have a conversation with him. Um, it's pretty. It's it gives me goosebumps to hear you say what you what you just said because it there were a lot of juniors in that hmm. room. I had never been to Reckless before. Yeah. It was so cool. You it's know, it was cool, really fun and t- super intimidating. Yeah. That room. <laughs> well, it, it was intimidating for a second, and then you cannot see. Like, yes. those lights yeah, were no joke. I was like, are, are we in Hollywood? Like, where are we? <laughs> I, I left there with so much sweat 
<laughs> like, um, I was nervous. Plus the lights. I was like, where am I? This is crazy. But, um, yes, the experience is always great. I mean, that's cool. Sometimes I feel like people are tired of my story. I'm like, everyone's heard this by now, but obviously there were plenty of people in the room who didn't, hadn't mm-hmm. heard it. And so, um, it was a real, it was a treat. So there are quite a few students that don't come on a Sunday morning. I I met a few of them on Wednesday at the care center. And Mm. so, yeah. Well that, I mean, that's one of my favorite pieces of my, of just kind of looking back is that I was invited to a church. I mean, Mm -hmm. the gospel was not shared in my home. And to think that there were kids who come to Glenland Bible or any other ministry where other, their friends are inviting them to, you just never know, you know? And Mm -hmm. I said last night, the first time I heard the gospel, I, I just knew, I knew that was for me. And I think that's probably happening in student ministries, whether it's here or other churches. And so you just don't know the power of the invite and being bold and bringing your friends into your life. Mm -hmm. It's huge. That's awesome. Well, we had a a really cool event last night as well. Um, We had a worship, an all churchwide worship, just get together. Everyone's invited, their families, their Mm -hmm. spouses, um, up at Poplar. Mm-hmm. People that are serving in the ministry. People, Sorry, yes. Yeah. People that are serving in the worship ministry. Yep. And man, we had a great turnout. Um, we, we had barbecue. Amazing barbecue. Jonathan Heisey oh. smoked meat for like two days. And um, uh, man, uh, Ed up at Poplar, the facilities guy, he, he brought out like the bounce house and all these things were in the parking lot for kids, games. And so the kids were out there playing the games. Mm-hmm. We watched the Bears and... Chiefs game and AKA um, the Taylor Swift game. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, we were Jeez. all waiting for the confirmation. Yes. We got it. Oh my gosh. We got it. It's ridiculous. I can't find out anything about the Chiefs right now without hearing or seeing or reading about Taylor <laughs> I Swift. I mean, Matt, just enjoy it. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> enjoy it. It's so weird. Anyway, um, it was a great event, man. Uh, a bunch of people showed up and it was just cool. Like we, we rarely get to all hang together like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like we share this really special thing, this common bond in, in music. And, um, and there's some intimacy in that and vulnerability in that and all, all of these things, right? But you rarely get to uh, meet and hang out with the people that are really close to those people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was just cool to provide a space to do that. It's awesome. Yeah, it was also fun. a lot of cross-campus connection, like and a ton of people from this campus had never been up there, so that yeah. was a cool moment for mm-hmm. them to finally come up and see Poplar. Mm-hmm. And it was cool, yeah, big win Good stuff, guys. So, besides the Bears, other than that, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Gosh, big win. Um, all right, let's um, yeah, let's get into some questions. Um, so first up. I love the message today. Can you share some practical ways that parents of young children can implement rest when children are in consistent need of care? <laughs> this is a super common. A lot of folks are asking this question. Yeah, I got that question of a popular. Yeah. I remember asking this question, you know, 10 years ago, like when someone preached on rest at my former church, like, what does this mean yeah. for me, for my wife? Yeah. 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 What do you guys think? I think it's constant, not consistent, though, right? The care that children need is, it's a, con- like they're con- it's a constant need. Mm. <laughs> we always have. Um, you know, I, it's difficult. Um, I think, uh, I th- especially think for, um, like, parents of, um, who are single parents who don't have a partner oh to rely on. I know that's a, an acute um, point of pain for a lot of those um, parents who are single parents or, um, I mean, I, we know a family that there's, it's a military family. One of the spouses has gone for huge, um, periods of time and they're, you know, and then mm. of course the, those situations are so difficult cause you just don't have that partner to rely on because when one of you is, is, you know, exhausted, sometimes the other one can help a little bit. And, um, I think there's, um, um, somebody I'm trying to think of, she wrote a book that we read recently, Brown, Brene Brown talks about like her and her husband have this check-in where they, she mm-hmm. says, I'm at 20%. Mm-hmm. What percent are you? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm at 60%. All right. Well, I'm going to 60%. You need to do these things. 20% me is going to do these things. And it's like a mm-hmm. kind of this regular check-in. So mm-hmm. I think that's a, a, something that's really valuable is to rely on each other if you yeah. have that option to rely on each other, to, to trust each other when they say, no, I do have this, or I'm really exhausted. Can you cover or whatever? And not that it's a checklist of like a check and balances. Well, you know, I've taken the 
put the kids done bath time and put the kids to bed four America. nights this week and you only did three yeah, so it's next not week, a tit for tat that you, that can go to bad places oh, it real can fast go right? really 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 but bad. the percentages thing i mean gosh last night even um it was such a long day mm-hmm. you know um that when i finally got home late last night i just kind of laid on the floor and i actually fell asleep and as i did like you know jennifer had gotten up and and gave the kids a bath, which I normally do, hmm. and, and got things all ready to shut down for the night, which I usually do a lot of those things. And, but she just did it because I, <laughs> I was on the floor sleeping. Right, <laughs> um, right, right. And I woke up and was like, oh, I'm sorry. And she's like, no, 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 I got it. It's cool. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think there's also a value in um, creating some rhythms and r- routines. We always felt, and I, you know, when our kids were younger, and I will say, mm-hmm. rest is not easier just because your kids get older. Mm-hmm. In fact, sorry to say, I might make the case it's I have less Kippy. rest mm-hmm. now because I have don't, kids. Don't, no, because don't tell me. You need to know. You need, to, you need to know. <laughs> that, you know it's, it's different, different though, right? We did. Right. It's different. We did, you know, I'll be... You, there were times when our kids went to bed going, there's still kids outside playing. Oh, How yeah. come we need to go to bed? <laughs> it's like, because yeah. mom and dad need rest. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can get in a consistent bedtime and then there's some, yeah, and I get it. There's kids that come down the stairs or sleep in the stairwell or whatever <laughs> where you kind of just survive through life, but getting into that regular rhythm and routine. But when your kids get older, you know, there's seniors in high school that are out till, you know, 1130. I'm awake. 12. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you're, it's just different. It's different. It gets different. Mm-hmm. The, the Don't be discouraged, Alex. He's, he's like, you know, because he's got little, little kids. Right. He's got babies, right? There is rest from that season. It, so, I mean, it, it does, as, yeah. as far as that goes, the changing up diapers all night and, and <laughs> hey, uh, you know, you're going to feed him. I'm going to feed him at three in the morning. Like, yeah. that does go away. I, but, yes. but then other things come in. Mm-hmm. It does. Yes. It, <laughs> so, I do think it's, there's a value in getting some consistent routines where you can, as best you can, know and rely on a certain period of time throughout each day where you can get, um, get some rest. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think I, I have huge respect for families that have um, done some work to pick a particular day, whether it can be the whole day or just a part of that day, they'll do, I think actually helpings you do this, mm-hmm. um, where like Sunday afternoons, it's like screens off, phones away. We're going to do something collective together as a family that feels Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Where it's, we call it our Sabbath dinner. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more. Oh, well, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, interrupt and go. I mean, that's it. I mean, it's, it's out of, um, if we're not intentional, it won't happen. And, mm. and you know, Alex, we were there. It feels like yesterday. And actually, <laughs> perfect example. Last night, probably 11, 11.30, I am dead to the world, right? I am sound asleep. And my six-year-old comes into the room and she's like, I can't fall back asleep because Eli is being too loud. I shouldn't have said which kid, but... Eli was being too loud down in the kitchen, having his like third dinner of the night (laughs) and cleaning up because we try to leave some expectations of you're going to go to bed later than us. So I don't want to wake up in the morning to a completely destroyed kitchen and your stuff everywhere. Like you need to have your stuff packed up the night before. And he was doing all of that, but he was being so loud because he is not a quiet person. And it woke up my six-year-old and she wakes me up in the middle and I'm so disoriented. I mean, I literally thought it was like four in the morning. It's like 11 and, um, gets in bed with us. It's just this like, Oh my gosh. And then I start to panic. Like I'm not going to wake up in the morning. Like my whole day, my whole Monday is ruined because I just got woken up, you know? Um, so it still happens in yeah. kind of its weird ways. But anyway, yeah, our Sabbath is on a Sunday afternoon because if you're not intentional about it, it won't happen. And we've tried so many different things. So this is not like it changes as the seasons change yes. with our kids and their activities. And, you know, if there's something consistently on a Sunday afternoon for a, a practice or something, we'll have to change it again. So yeah. we're, we're not legalistic in it, but we have to be intentional or it won't happen. Yeah. Um, and that's all it is. It's just a couple of hours of us as a family sitting down together and we no screens is the common denominator. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with Grant Armstrong about this, who's our adult ministries pastor. And he uh, just sharing this struggle that we are having about finding time. And I really appreciated his answer because um, he had kind of two for me. One was soft and one was a little bit harder. The kind of soft answer he gave was that like, God sees you 
and there's grace. Mm. And, and especially for those of you that are listening to the podcast that um, are single or trying to do this on your own right now, I, that's what I would say is that God sees you and, and he knows the season of life you're in and, and he's gracious in that. And, and that was comforting to hear from Grant. But the second thing he said was, you know, carry your cross. I guarantee if you look at your calendar, if you look at your schedule, there's a change that you can make to regularly find time at least once a day to just rest in the Lord. And so for me, what that ended up being was uh, I'm waking up when the kids get up, but I could get up an hour earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was hard for a little bit, but John, you talk about building habits and routines. Eventually I got used to it and that's when I do it now. Mm-hmm. Can I add one more thing to this yeah. person? Like the very first thought that I almost like typed out, get a babysitter. And I, yeah. for some reason, I don't know why people struggle with that. Maybe there's financial reasons or you don't have someone that you trust or something. And so I, I realize that it's maybe not as easy just to do it. But if you just gave yourself that freedom to ha- hire a babysitter, whether it's once a month or once a week or whatever you need and force yourself to take mm-hmm. a break, force yeah. yourself to leave the house and do something that's meaningful to you. I used to go to Barnes and Noble and just mm. walk around a bookstore. Yeah. I just loved it. It was, you know, like they're by myself. It's so different when you've got your little kids with you. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, this person's asking for practical ways of parents of young children yes. to implement rest. So it doesn't mean sleeping. You're not resting. Doesn't mean sleeping. And resting means like rejuvenating your soul mm-hmm. and doing things that are life giving to you so that you can be a better parent. Mm-hmm. Can I add to this? Mm-hmm. If you are a listener that is older, that is out of this season, this is such a common question that we get from parents with young kids. Find the parents with young kids in the church and make that offer. And mm-hmm. that is a way that you can provide them mm-hmm. with that gift. Or swap with other people. Yeah. We used mm-hmm. to do that all the time. It was incredibly life-saving. That's you awesome. Know, when yeah. your kids are little. Because the financial thing with babysitters mm-hmm. is, is a real thing. Yeah. Like, it is tough mm-hmm. for many families to get a babysitter and then go do something. It's like, okay, we just had dinner mm-hmm. and that was 80 bucks or whatever. But as soon as we get home, it's 40 more. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, that was $120 for yeah. one night. Like, There's woo, so many you know? creative ways. <laughs> but yes, it, but yeah. man, the swapping, mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. that. I know some babysitters that are looking for opportunities if you ha- was it a plug? It is a plug. <laughs> I will plug my children's ability to babysit very well. Mm-hmm. They come from a large family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boom. Uh, all right, let's go to question right. two. Yep. All right, so uh, what if once saved, always saved is not true? What if salvation doesn't require works, but does require that we remain submitted to God? Yeah, this is a great question. I'm not sure if you got into this at... Um, not at, as at, not no, as much. At yeah, this question is from here. From, yeah, from okay. the Glen Ellen campus. So I um I didn't have time for that question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um let me take a shot at it and then you guys can kind of jump in um you know as sure. as needed. Um but I might have some dramatic pauses in mm. my uh <laughs> response as I look to gather my thoughts. <laughs> There's a lot to say. Um, the, you know, we could spend a whole podcast on on this type of a question. The so the the words that we've used in, here in the question is once saved, always saved. That's sort of a common phrase that's used in Christianity. There's really sort of two different um, doctrines on the assurance of salvation. One is this idea of once saved, always saved. So we would say something like the moment that you're justified, then you are saved. There's no losing your justification. Hmm. Sanctification, moving to glorification might look different for everybody, but this idea that you are Uh, and I can get back to that in a second, but the idea that you can't lose your justification, you can't have a moment where a true moment where you, you know that you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, you are justified. If you were to die that moment, you would go to heaven, Hmm. that that is, is permanent. There's not a moment in the future where you could lose that justification and then go to hell. So that's the once saved, always saved. Um, the other doctrine is the, is a, and the, the, guys, these are, I'm giving two 
black and white. There's a scale for some, and we're not going to get into all that nuance and that kind of thing. But the other side of this would say, no, um, you can lose your justification in rebellion and disobedience. Mm -hmm. That um, you can be justified one moment, and then you could renounce that justification. You could pursue something else in disobedience, you could harden your heart and you could actually lose that justification. So on Monday, you would have gone to heaven. Then you, in your hardened heart and disobedience, Tuesday, I'm painting it really stark, but then on Tuesday, you could go, um, you could die and go to hell. Again, people who would hold this doctrine might argue with me about, no, it's a long pattern, da, 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 those sorts of things. But I'm Basically, what I want uh, the distinction to be is one, you can lose your, you can, you cannot lose your justification and one, you can Can. lose your, your justification. And so, um, we need to be really clear here when we talk about salvation and the, the question alluded to, you know, um, so what if this doctrine is not true? because that's the doctrine that I presented on Sunday was the once saved, always saved. That's the, that's the doctrine that Glen Ellen Bible Church professes and holds to and has communicated for, I would guess, all 80 years of our existence. Mm. It's, the, it's the doctrine that our pastoral staff uh, and our elders all hold, and, and that's the doctrine that, um, that we teach. And to be clear, the salvation that we're talking about when we we talk about this um, justification moment. It's more than just this prayer, uh, more than just acknowledging that God is real and that we should um, be afraid of him or believe in him. Um, it's, it's more than, than just uh, saying a prayer uh, or making a decision for Christ. Salvation is a sovereign act of God whereby an unregenerate sinner is washed, renewed, and born again by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. When salvation occurs, God gives the, for, the forgiven sinner a new heart and puts a new spirit within him. That comes from Ezekiel. The spirit will cause the saved person to walk in obedience, to grow in their faith, to grow more allegiant toward God in that process. Um, it is much more than a, a mental acknowledgement that God is real. It's it's so much more than, than that. It's, it's the rest of the things I said in the sermon of we are a new creation. We have a new identity. It's much more than just saying God is real. I believe in him. And that's, the, that's what I'm, I'm doing. So let me unpack the, the second or the, the, uh, the first doctrine that I, I talked about, the once saved, always save. Um, let me, let me unpack that a little bit. Why does GBC believe this? Why do we preach this doctrine? What is it based on? And so um, we would say because salvation is done 100% by God alone. There's no part of our salvation that is because of anything that we have either have done. We can't merit God's favor. God is doing all of the work. So, and even, um, Simone, you tell, you told your story of, you know, coming to faith as a junior in Dallas. And you said, when I heard the gospel, I immediately knew that this was for me. That's because God was mm-hmm. already before mm-hmm. you even heard the words, he was renewing mm-hmm. you and bringing you to a place where as soon as you heard the gospel, mm-hmm. you would know that it's true mm-hmm. and you would, and you would believe it. That's what we believe that even in the, in the, the pre saying, I am a Christ follower, God was already working. Yeah. It's only because of his work that you would come to faith in him. I know you're on a roll, I, but it's just a question as you're talking about this. So we don't play any role at all. What about the element of faith? Isn't that something that we are doing? Yeah. So we can talk about what participation looks like okay. because there's as much as God is, um, is, is moving us to salvation, God is doing 100% of the work in, the, in salvation. There is a we do participate. Mm. It's, the, it's just that we didn't start it. And this is actually, I, I tease Kelly a lot, but it's actually the birth uh, metaphor is actually like physical human birth is very, very solid. We didn't start it. We didn't make it happen. But when we were born, we participated in that process uh, of being 
being born. Um, and so there is an element of participation where Simone does have to raise her hand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she does have to repent and say, yes, I believe and I want to follow Jesus. And I'm going to start moving in faith. There is a, um, a, a point at which we say things like, I said yes to Jesus in that moment, or mm -hmm. I came to faith in Christ, or I shy away from I chose Jesus because that blends that word choose, which yeah. is who all, chose who? yeah, who chose who. But there is an active participation where we realize we're being born again. We are becoming mm -hmm. regenerate and we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, and we believe that in our heart. That's our, our level of participation. And I would say that when that happens, we become a new person. We're washed, renewed, we are, we are new. And that is why we move in faith going forward. Because we are, we are new, because we have this new heart, new identity, um, that's when our faith journey Mm. Uh, uh, begins and we continue. So when Paul says things like, I'm working out my salvation, he's not working out whether he's justified or not. Certainly not. He's working out what this means for him on the pattern of a life of faithfulness. I'm mm. working that out. How does this change me and how I live every single day? So what do we do then with the numerous amounts of verses in Hebrews that seem to communicate that justification is something you can lose. At least that's a way that you can read it. A way that you could, could interpret it. And, and I would argue you can't, but okay. I, I, I understand mm. where someone may read those words on the surface and think that it feels like the author of Hebrews or the preacher in Hebrews is saying, you can earn the promised land. Mm -hmm. But I think if we do a little bit of hermeneutical work and exegetical work, when we understand the context of the passage and we look at it in the breadth of the entire New Testament, I would actually argue that once saved, always saved is the only option in the Old Testament. Hmm. That God chose people from the out of nothing, he picked Abraham. He hmm. chose Abraham. He made the covenant with Abraham. Abraham agreed in a way, shape, or form through the blood path with God, but God delivered on the, the, the covenant. And Abraham, Abraham had faithlessness and faithfulness all throughout his journey, but God remained true to well, him. Not just Abraham, the Israelites. The Israelites and Moses. And mm -hmm. I do believe, and I got into this on Sunday, there was a category of Israelites that God knew beforehand were a part of the nation of Israel, but they were not a part of his, hmm. his, his people, that there were those that heard and knew, but that they had turned and rejected from it. They had, did not have faith. They were not justified. Hmm. Um, and that would apply to like the Jesus talking about, you know, people are going to be surprised. Right. You know, some people think they're saved and they weren't. Right. Right, okay. exactly. Okay. So let me keep, keep going here a little bit. So we believe this because we believe that salvation is 100% God's doing, God's choosing, God's selecting, God's moving in the hearts of people. Um, the other thing, and I just kind of alluded to this, is I think the breadth of scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament confess this doctrine over and over and over again. You know, some people would say, well, you, you're doing, you're looking at the text and the clearest reading of that text is one thing. And then you're doing some gymnastics to sort of make that text mm. say what you want it to say. And I would say, no, that's actually not true. I think the exegesis is consistent. I think that verses one and six and 11, the verses that I alluded to as being particularly challenging, they're actually talking to believers already they're talking about sanctification. Mm. They're talking about striving for the, the promise. Let's not lose that. Let's not fall short of the, the fullness of the promised land and all that it has to offer. Let's not be in that category of people who have faith, but are not living mm. fully a life of Christ being the Lord, the Lord of their life. Let's, and the way that you... You move from justification to fully embracing and experiencing your sanctification is in community. Mm. And that's why he's saying, let us not fall short of it. 
Let us not fall short. Let's work together. Let's encourage each other. Let's spur one another on. Mm-hmm. Let's read God's word that cuts to the heart. Let's, let's, let's be together in striving for the fullness and the completeness of being a body of believers that has embraced Christ fully and is, and is the Lord of our lives. That's why I believe verses 12 and 13, that's exactly what 12 and 13 are speaking to, mm-hmm. to people whose heart is not fully in it. They're justified or they, and remember, this is a new, brand new church. Jesus and the Messiah and all that is brand new. And they are working through a situation of understanding the Messiah and how does that relate to our past and what does it mean? And that's why the preacher is so clear in Christ is greater than all these things that you are being drawn back to mm. because you're, you're, you're believing that Jesus is the Messiah that was promised, but you're living a life that is saying he's not. So I don't think there's gymnastics happening. I actually think the exegesis is really, really consistent. When we understand the audience, when we understand the context, when we understand the, when we in, are informed by the breadth of scripture, that we don't want to be like Moses. Mm-hmm. Certainly Moses is in heaven, mm-hmm. right? I mean, certainly Moses is in heaven, but he missed out on the full life of the promised land because of his disobedience. It's a metaphor that isn't a perfect metaphor, but the preacher clearly uses it in this passage mm. to say, and he, you know, the, we, he's the better Moses. It comes right out of chapter three. three. Don't be like Moses. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. So the thing that's being lost in chapter four, if this is a group that's already justified and we're talking about sanctification, the thing that is being lost is the blessings of living in Christ. Right. The fullness of the rest in Christ. Okay. That, that we, are, we are resting fully in him as the Lord of our lives. We are battling through sanctification, that mm-hmm. we, are, we are working out our salvation. We are fighting the good fight. We are holding on <laughs> to Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. justified and not wanting to go back mm-hmm. to the things that are less than Christ. Fullness of Christ is an experience of rest that we strive for and work for as a community of faith. That, and I would say that there, that category is clear in the passage. And I would say the other category of those who heard and did not believe. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. So there is that category. And I did made the distinction on Sunday that that's the, if you don't have faith, hear it, come, raise your hand. Mm-hmm. If you feel something inside of you saying, I need Jesus, don't mm-hmm. be like those people that said, no, I don't want that. They were completely out of uh, of um, the picture. Let me keep going. The third reason I would say is that um, I would have the question of if God isn't doing all of it and that there is a portion that we're saying that we need to, um, trying to find the, the ex- exact words in the, in the question here real quick. What if salvation doesn't require works, but does require that we remain submitted to God? I would say, well, who's going to measure that? Who's measuring the level of submission required or the allegiance acquired or required? Mm. Where do we, who's the standard, God? Well, then it's God who's doing all of it. Mm-hmm. And God would know where your heart, so I would say that of, of course, there's a level of submission to God that should be present in our lives when we come to faith in Christ. If there isn't a level of change or submission at all, or at least an acknowledgement that I should be working in that direction, that that's what I should be going for, I would question, honestly would question whether justification has fully happened. Totally. If justification has happened, I do think scripture is very clear that at some level, there should be an acknowledgement of our sin, a need for repentance. There's gotta be evidence. And fruit that yeah. should start to appear in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would just question if it seems to me that we are gonna thread a needle that I don't see present in scripture anywhere to say, I measure up with enough allegiance and submission. I, I just don't, like we're, if we're saying it doesn't matter on our works, well, what is, what is our works look like? Now I get it. I do think that there is an argument to be had to say, if we just throw this around by saying, 
You're justified. Live however you want. Mm-hmm. There can be what the phrase cheap grace. And I understand that there are those in the upholding the doctrine of um, that we can lose our salvation. I, I do think there's something admirable in it to say, well, we need to be careful still how we live. <laughs> yeah. We need to continue to grow in our faith. We need to show up at church. We need to be, not because we're meriting anything though. It's because it's an outpouring of who we are. Matt gave a great example of um, fandom, right? Like you said, explain it. You, you talked about, you know. Yeah, I, I was having a, a conversation with somebody with this question asker yesterday as we were watching the game uh, last night. And he was saying, well, it's like, you know, you, you are a, you, you're a Chiefs fan because you're, you're wearing your, your jersey and you go to the games and you follow the podcast. And it's like, no, 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 wait a minute. Uh, I do those things because I'm a fan. I, I, I became a fan because I'm from Kansas City. Right, because your, your dad and mom I, said, we're I, Chiefs fans. I, I just like, <laughs> I don't know when I had... The uh, you know when I made the decision to be a Chiefs fan, <laughs> your conversion <laughs> it just was part of it. So because that's true for me, mm-hmm. I do all of those things, and all of those things is the evidence that I am in fact a Chiefs fan out of my chiefness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's a great. So it's the order. Yeah, the, it's the order and the motivation and the reason mm-hmm. um, and, behind it, and it's really important. It's, it's actually really important. You, you may think, oh, we're just word salading here a bunch. Of stuff. No, no. I think it's really important because I think if you have the order right, then the gratefulness and the thankfulness and the, and the weight mm-hmm. and the stress of what you might have to do or might not have to do, right. it just yeah. it looks different. Right. It I, looks different. And I get it, man. It can, somebody with my conversion story might have an easier... Uh, just un- it may be easier for me to accept this that God chooses and we don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Because that can be hard. Because then, of course, you can ask questions like, "Well, why not this person? Why not my right. mom? Why not my?" But when it's someone like me who feels like I was just plucked out of the yeah. freaking depth of the sea, right? You, it's easy for me to go, "Oh gosh, yeah, that wasn't on me at mm-hmm. all." <laughs> I was doing a lot of things opposite to God's goodness, His holiness, His, and He just came in and was like, "I'm taking you." Mm-hmm. So it's. Well, the vast majority of salvation research, which is a, the fact that people research this is fascinating to me, tell a story that is most similar to um, feeling like there was nothing they did. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, I was born in a, a Christian family and I got baptized when I was five and I kept moving then and then I, this is just who I am. I'm a Chiefs fan, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, I, and then uh, there's a moment though where people can express a realization of what God had done mm-hmm. and, a mo- you know, a moving for- forward in faith and those sorts of things. It's, it, that's a very common resp- uh, way that people explain and, uh, along a huge spectrum, being 17 or 16 or whatever and hearing it or being, you know, uh, o- older in life. And it's, it's very, that's the language that, many, if not most, salvation stories use. So like talking about the order and making sure we get the order right, I had a pastoral visit a couple months ago and she doesn't go to our church, but a 16-year-old girl and we were talking back and forth and when we really got to the root of the issue, she was terrified in regard to salvation because she was constantly asking the question, did I do enough this week? to be saved or did this mistake cost me my salvation? Right. You know, am I buying enough jerseys? Am I buying enough tickets so that I can be a Chiefs fan? Yeah. And and most of the work that we did was just trying to get her back to what we believe here at right. GBC the scripture teaches. Right. And I, I think there's another reason I would say and then we can move, we can um we can move on. Another reason I would say this is I see it consistently played out in scripture, the, the once saved, always saved. It's, it's the consistent theme throughout, throughout scripture mm-hmm. because I believe that God wants us to have freedom. <laughs> he wants us to move in freedom 
mm-hmm. with a new heart, a new identity washed in him, justified so that we aren't constantly trying to manage whether we're allegiant enough, whether we're submitted enough. He wants us to move in and know the order of what, what's going on and, and know that we can move. It doesn't mean that he wants us to sin. It doesn't mean that we have freedom to sin. That's n- clearly nowhere in scripture. Mm-hmm. But being created before the beginning of time to do good works for him as his handiwork, that's mm-hmm. the freedom he wants us to have. Mm-hmm. That we go forward saying, the, the sin and shame is not what defines me. Mm-hmm. And I can wake up every morning, his mercies are new every single morning. And I can pursue him and live for him and, and try to work out my sanctification mm-hmm. um, in the good and the bad. I can, be, I can have more confession in my life today. I can have more repentance in my life um, today. Because of what he's done for me, I'm free, mm-hmm. not because I'm trying to stay allegiant to him. And you can see the connection to the Israelites. I, I don't think there would ever be a moment, maybe there was in the wilderness, but a questioning of are we still God's people? It was, you know, the sin that's getting uh, in the way of us missing the promised land, but they were still always God's people. They, they weren't thinking, you know, we've got to do all this work so that we can keep that status. Right. Like, I don't think that was a thought that was crossing their mind. Right. Right. You just said one thing, John, here's my very tiny contribution to this conversation. Sorry. It's Um, been a long one too. Wait, what did you just say? The conversation oh, right yeah, now has yeah, been yeah. long and I've been talking a lot. Oh, no, you're good, good. Um, I'm learning. Um, but you just said something that made me think of, of a very personal example where my mom grew up in a Catholic home and um, I think pretty you know, faithful Catholics. And um, I think she would say that it was a works-based theology from her teachings, like what she learned and remembers back to, I think she had a stint of Catholic school and... Um, you know, is their tradition of how they, you know, engaged with the Christian faith. Um, And then later in life, my mom kind of wandered, walked away from anything she was taught as a child, lived a very secular life. She would be the first to tell you this, married three times and um, really wandered for a long period of time. And then she's a really amazing conversion story. So that's a story for another time. Um, But she came to know the Lord and, um, while she was sitting at her dad's funeral, so my peepaw, um, who lived a long life, um, a number of people got up and shared, you know, stories of him at his funeral, which happens, right? And um, over and over, people talked about my peepaw as being a believer who had embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ and that his faith is what has Mm. saved him. His faith is what is giving us the comfort that he is with Jesus now. And it was, it was a, an actually very difficult moment for my mom because mm. now she knows the truth and recognized at that point in her life that she was saved by faith, nothing she had earned, even though she had a history of decades of trying to kind of earn God's favor. And she sat at her dad's funeral and heard the gospel from his peers, people that he was in Bible study with. And she left there just a a bit heartbroken and saying, why did he never tell me? Hmm. Why did he never tell me that I didn't have to earn the love Hmm. that God has for me? Mm -hmm. She discovered it on her own and in a different form and fashion, but she was hurt in a way because she had lived a long life of trying to please God and just failing at Mm. it. Just had so much regret and guilt, um, and at some, somewhere in her life, her dad, you know, came to the Lord. It sounded like by, based on the testimonies from those who knew him well. And she, she felt hurt that he, he didn't ever really share with her. There is freedom outside of a workspace mm-hmm. theology. And I don't know, that really stuck with me, you know, yeah. like yeah. here we are living in this freedom right. and there could be people around us that if you, if they only knew. Even your own kids, your own Even family. Even your own kids. Yeah, that's true, Alex. That's a good point. Yeah, and we could get into a whole discussion about how we talk about sin, sanctification, Mm -hmm. justification, you know, with our kids. Let me just wrap up just two kind of last thoughts. So the the big question that always comes out of this is, so what do we do with the people in our lives to have, to seem to have walked away Mm -hmm. that we, we felt like or knew or they confessed faith and then they've, 
they seem to have completely walked away, living in a different life and, and all of that. So those are heartbreaking stories. Mm-hmm. Let's first acknowledge that. And there's people in our church and in our lives that have children who mm-hmm. were young and following Jesus and confessing the faith and now seem to have wandered far. Prodigals um, that are all um, in lots of situations. Lots of, so first of all, you know, our heart breaks for those types of stories because they, they're difficult. Those are day in and day out realities for many people, people close to them um, who are in that situation. So as a church, you know, we're here for you. Mm-hmm. We love you. We care for you. We pray for you. And let me, you know, it seems strange to now just offer a very terse kind of answer to these, to these things. But the one thing I would say is that we hold on to hope that they will come back, mm-hmm. <laughs> that the prodigal does return. And there are story after story after story in real life of people who make that return. Your mom sounds like a, a, an example of that. Um, the prodigal son story clearly is an example of, of that for us in, in scripture. But there are story after story after story. So we pray and we hold on to hope that their moment of wandering, what feels like a shipwreck of their faith is, is, is just a season yeah. of of not embracing the sanctification process, not wanting to bear fruit. Mm-hmm. Their hearts are hardened, not to justification, but hardened to the things of God, that they're in a season of wandering and looking for other things to make them feel happy or, or, or whatever it is. So we, we trust and we hope that if that justification happened and was true, that they will find their way back mm-hmm. to God Amen. and that he is the hound of heaven chasing after them. And they are running and running and running. And someday we pray that their legs get tired hmm. so, and uh, that they are grabbed back and brought in and are able to bear fruit um, for him. The second thing I would, I would say is that we need to acknowledge that there are some that confess and say, Lord, Lord, but are not have not been justified Mm. and that what may have seemed like and felt like a true confession of faith and justification may not have been. It may have been done for reasons other than God actually regenerating their heart and that they went through the motions. They said the the right words, but God had not been renewing Mm. them. They were not completely renewed, washed, clean, new identity, new heart. And move. And that's really, really hard to say. It's really, really hard because it's not our place to know and evaluate those situations. It's hard. Um, but those would be the two, um, the two answers. And the final thing I, I, I would say on the issue is for me personally, this is not an issue that I break fellowship over people with. Hmm. I can do life with and believe with and think that someone who thinks you can lose your salvation, I think that they, are, they can go to heaven just like me. They can have, experience the fullness of, of Christ. Um, I, it, there's a level of discomfort I have with the, that kind of a, a doctrine be, just because it, I see so clearly for me and others yeah. in scripture and yeah. I see how it's played out so, so often. So it's not that I would say, you know, you do you if that feels great, but I don't have a problem with someone who yeah. is motivated and thinks that that they could they could lose their salvation. I would encourage them to think differently, but they can worship here freely. Totally sure. And we now, can have dinner together and be in the hang out with each other. Yeah. Like I have no issue with that. I will say personally though, I would have a very hard time sitting under the teaching of somebody who who that was their their biblical viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Because it it would matter. It would come into application, it would, mm-hmm. it would just be hard to... Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know, and and, it, and it, I wouldn't want to be divisive. It you is know a, what I mean? It is a question that we ask of all of our staff and, and all those that are in leadership positions and elders is, what's your, what doctrine of salvation do you, mm. do, do you believe in? And because we're a once saved, always saved church, that label's so mm-hmm. weird, but... It's very yeah. hard to it gets do. To the point. It's very hard to. Yeah, it does. It gets to the point. <laughs> it's it's hard to do ministry, teach together, lead together when the application is is so different. So, all right, yeah. let's keep moving. Okay, question three. Easy question. Yeah. All right. Is the person who believes in Jesus for their salvation but has not made him Lord of their life the lukewarm Christian referred to in the Book of Revelation? If not, to whom does that term apply? 
Could I jump in? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so I, I did a sermon series a couple of years ago on the seven churches in Revelation. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun. And uh, it was neat to see just how many references that Jesus made in his comments that relate to the culture. And so we did a lot of work in the sermon series talking about culture. And so I think context is going to help answer this question a little bit. The verse about being lukewarm, it's found in Revelation 3 when talking about the church of Laodicea. And if you go today and you visit the church of Laodicea, in the distance, you're going to see something that looks like snow, but it's not snow. What you're looking at is where the city of Hierapolis was. And they've got all these hot springs that are there. The Hierapolis is really famous for their hot springs, incredibly hot water. But if you turn the other direction in Laodicea, you would be looking at Colossae. And the city of Colossae was famous for their springs. They had incredibly cold and refreshing water. And so the city of Laodicea is wrestling with this question of, okay, how are we going to get water? And they actually built a pipe system Mm -hmm. that brought in water from both uh, directions. And what that created was gross, lukewarm water. (laughs) And you actually had like... Uh, stereotypes around that time that Laodicea water would make you vomit. That was kind of a stereotype of the city, similar to sometimes how I hear people talk about city water or something like that. Um, And so when Jesus says, you know, I spit you out of my mouth, uh, that's what he's referencing. So I think the point that Jesus is trying to make is that, because I've heard it, I've heard it taught that, you know, hot water being on fire for Christ, cold water not being on fire for Christ. I, I think that the point that Jesus is trying to make is that hot water has use, cold water has use, but lukewarm water is, is useless. So this is in the context of deeds. Jesus is talking about deeds and he uses this illustration. And I think what he's saying is that the church, in regard to their deeds, um, is there, there, it's useless. There's, there's no deeds that are happening right now. Um, I, I wish that you were either one way or the other. I wish um, that you were hot or cold. And so this, I think, ties into a lot of what we've already been talking about today of um, the process of, of sanctification and, and the deeds that come from that. You just weren't seeing that in the church of Laodicea. You weren't seeing those deeds. And so he's using this illustration of water. Does does that check with you guys? Is that yeah, mean? that's exactly how. Um, so I preached in two summers ago through the book of Colossians, mm-hmm. and it came up in there, and that's exactly how I would. That's the. That's the teaching. Yeah, cool. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> Not that I'm the one that <laughs> determines. John what's, approves. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly right. But no, I think I think Christ is is saying be one or the other be either hot or be, be cold, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so for sure, we don't want to be lukewarm in our, our faith and the, the stereotypical language of what that is. Yes. Um, is there is some value in that. I don't mm-hmm. think it's necessarily contextually accurate, mm-hmm. you know, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. <laughs> Cool. All right, let's go to the next one. What does the Bible have to say in regard to wise and unwise ways of spending Sabbath? I don't want to be legalistic, but at the same time, I can see ways that I've rested and yet I don't feel any better. Mm. <laughs> That's honest. So there is, uh, yeah, there's, Sabbath is tricky in the church age because there's um, verses about, you know, uh, man was made, um, God made Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. So we need to be careful about the legalism yep. um, that's around it. I grew up in a culture in West Michigan where um, doing anything on Sunday was very frowned upon. So couldn't mow your lawn, mm-hmm. grocery stores were closed, um, businesses that were still open were thought of as being secular. I've told the story before. There was a Jewish um, guy in our neighborhood just boldly mowing his lawn every single <laughs> Sunday. Just right. It was like he picked Sunday to like, this you know. Make a statement. Yeah. And um, so it's just, you know, we can go down that path where, you know, we're, we're right into the ditch of, of legalism. We're judging others and looking at, well, they didn't follow the Sabbath on Sunday from this time um, 
to, to this time. And so we need to be a little bit careful with that. We can also then go into the other ditch where we say, yeah, yeah I'll do whatever I want to do is, is fine. And you know, I, I work seven days a week. I'm checking my email every single day, but it's, it's, I'm fine. I, I feel good. You know, it's not a big problem. It's not an idol in my life or, or, you know, whatever, um, hmm. you know, whatever the, the thought, um, is on that. But I do think we need to be careful in defining for others what is Sabbath rest. Okay? So, um, follow me here. It is not restful for me to just sit and watch something or Mm -hmm. on the porch or whatever. It is incredibly renewing, refreshing, and restful for me to go and try to ride my bike as far and hard as I can and, and have a challenge. And some people would hate that. Some people would absolutely hate that. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> Carrie will say to me, as person who loves me, cares for me, knows me the most, she's like, you, you need to go get on your bike. Hmm. You need to go, 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 you know, or I'll, I'll text her and be like, hey, I think I can sneak away, you know, and get an early morning ride on Saturday or whatever. She's like, praise God, go. Because it feels restful to me. I actually feel like I'm being renewed. Hmm. And God is meeting me and caring for me in that moment. And it's not because I'm listening to something. Often I'm not listening to anything. I'm all by myself. It's really hard and difficult. And I want to work at it, but it feels so restful. I feel like the cares and concerns of the world have washed away. And I can focus on that moment. I can hear from God. I pray. I listen. It's super renewing and restful for Mm me. So kind of zagging a little bit, going a different yeah. direction. I, um, you know, throughout the, this podcast and the messages yesterday, both focused on this, this idea of resting in Christ. And oftentimes um, when we think about ways that we rest, um, resting in Christ is not maybe at the front of our mind. Uh, Thomas Aquinas had a quote that I just threw in our notes. Uh, he said, there are two kinds of rest, the cessation of work, and also the, the fulfilling of a desire. And if you are exhausted or tired, you may be tempted to say, the best way that I can spend my time tonight is by binge watching the entire season of The Bachelor. <laughs> but, that, but maybe what your heart actually needs is the fulfilling of a desire, resting in Christ, spending time in Him. That can refresh you in a way that other things can't. Now, some people, when talking about the Sabbath, you can only do things that are Jesus related. So they would look at you riding their bike and say, well, you can't do it. And that's that legalism that I right. think you're talking about that right. I disagree with. There are things that are restful that you can do, but I also don't want to ignore the fact that uh, what you may need to do is rest in Christ, mm-hmm. you know, and find time for that. Yeah, for sure. And there's different, fulfill fi- that desire, different forms. And that's what I, I guess I want to, you know, steer us into is that sitting on the back porch and drinking iced tea and just taking it in, praise God, if that's restful for you, Mm -hmm. who am I to say, no, you need to be on your knees praying, (laughs) you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, so we need to be a little bit careful. Mm -hmm. We need, we need to not let people in that are close to us, you know, fudge on this and Mm -hmm. say, no, this is how I'm resting and renewing by watching The Bachelor or whatever example you give or whatever. I mean, you can pick anything. They're just trying to justify, you know, a laziness or something. I don't know. I've also never seen The Bachelor. I'm just going to go ahead. Don't get started on The Bachelor. Yeah, I was going to say, probably. Throw throw that out there. (laughs) Probably good. Probably good. I I would say that there is some, I don't know if wisdom's the right word, but to exercise different forms of Sabbath. So Hmm. I love John that riding your bike for a long period of time is, um, renewing to you. And it feels like a a break. I think there's probably a lot of physiological reasons why that's happening, right? There's a lot of reasons why you're, you gain so much from that. Um, I had a friend tell me one time after reading a book on spiritual disciplines, how much she was enjoying walking. Yeah. I can't walk. (laughs) It's like, if I'm going to be outside using my legs, I'm running. Yeah. And, um, I really pushed against the idea of walking because I felt like it was a waste of my time. Like Mm -hmm. I have things to do and I like to exercise. And so if I'm going to be outside with my running shoes on, I'm going to be running. Who has time to walk? And, um, she was just gentle in her ways of saying, well, there's a lot of 
re, there's a lot of you know goodness that can come from walking, and it's not for exercise, like just walking. And then COVID hit, and mm. everybody learned to walk, or at least we did. Yeah, we've already totally. fallen away from that that you know that habit or whatever. But um, we took a lot of walks during. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID, not just Anthony and I, but I would meet up for, with friends and those types of things. And I, it was a, it was exercising, not physically, but like exercising a discipline that I wasn't good at. Yeah. And already, like I've said, I've kind of fallen away from that. But um, so it's great that you know what gives you rest, or for right. us to know what like that is very refreshing to us, or whatever that is. But I also think there is value in exercising different ways to connect with God. And one of the best ways for me to figure out what that is, is to be having conversations with good friends and community about what are you doing to Sabbath? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you can learn from other people of, I've never thought about that. We should try that. That sounds, yeah. what a great idea. Like let's, we should try that for our family or that might be renewing for me. And mm-hmm. um, so I think that's one of the ways to grow in your Sabbath yeah. mm-hmm. is just a great having idea. conversation around it, trying new things, not becoming legalistic, but it's like anything. If you don't put the effort toward it, we don't live in a society that honors rest, right? right. We know that. Totally. So if we're not putting effort into it and we go so far as a family, I think, you know, I've already said, we really tried hard to reserve Sundays. If we do not have it scheduled, it will not happen. That's if we do word. not talk about it, plan for it, are intentional about it, it will be the first thing to go. That's yep. just the nature of our It'll get bulldozed. Right mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a good, that's a try really, try something else besides bike riding. Yeah. That, no, <laughs> that's kidding. a great challenge. No, it's a good, it's a really, really good word because Sabbath doesn't always mean comfort, right? Sure. Like rest doesn't mean always that's that. That's a tricky one. Yeah. Right. Like there, there should be things of rest where you feel renewed mm-hmm. and, and there's a level of comfort, but there might be some forms of rest that are actually more mm-hmm. spiritually mm-hmm. Dra- so um, fasting, mm-hmm. praying in That's a way a that point, you've, yeah. you haven't prayed before. Well, that like, kind of gets us into the last question. Yeah, Can we for just sure. ask it? So Genesis 1, would it, I'd be amiss in thinking that rest is a time of enjoyment. If so, then when we rest in Jesus, could it mean that we enjoy being with him, abiding in him and he in us? That's a great, that's a great question. I do think that that's the heart of what the Sabbath is about mm-hmm. is that we yep. feel like we are closer to him abiding in him. That we, and we have the space for that. Yes. And I, I like to use the example of rest should be a time when, when, so if there's two dials of noise in our life, the dial of the Holy spirit and, and the things of God guiding us that we should be listening to. And then the knob and the dial of the noise of life that Sabbath and rest should be a time when we feel like we can turn down the noise of life and the knob of the Holy Spirit. And again, every metaphor <laughs> channel, it, it can break down, but that, that we feel like the volume of the word of, of God, his in scripture and in the Holy Spirit working inside of us, that we hear that more clearly and distinctly because we are resting in 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 Christ and we're being renewed and challenged and grown and closer um, to him. The noise of a crying (laughs) child (laughs) or 15 emails that need a response or a project. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A TV show that we need to get caught up on so we can communicate, we can hang with our friends, whatever it might be that that noise of life is just quieter for a moment, for a season, for a time. And we've, we've scheduled it. Mm -hmm. We've blocked it out. We've made it, made it happen. So one of the questions that I wrestle with, and I can even hear myself leaning towards legalism, but, (laughs) but like community on set aside days because just being transparent, there are some people that really drain me and, <laughs> and there are some people that give me life. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I've, I've seen some people interpret Sabbath as like, we don't hang out with anybody. And again, that's legalism, but how, how do you guys handle community on days? Like, mm-hmm. you know what we have told our kids this, these are the, this, this is the structure we're going to be together, the six of us, we're not going to have screens. And then beyond that, you, the kids take turns rotating what they want for dinner. Um, mm. Sometimes there's participation in making dinner. And we have said to them, you are allowed to invite your friends. Your friends can join us for cool. this because I'm not sure that they're doing it or maybe it looks different for their families. You can bring people in, but you can't miss it. Because a lot of times that's their tension as well. So-and-so is doing this or so-and-so is doing that. And so we've 
we've just said, you're welcome to invite your friends into our Sabbath, but we're protecting this as a family of six. Um, and you can't miss it is kind of the goal. Um, but they can invite people into it okay. because ideally, I mean, that's how we do it, Alex. I have no idea. We didn't write, you know, we just make this up, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm no, I'm no expert on Sabbath, please. Yeah. but, um, we've just found that, um, what we're trying to do is teach them to not be like us, right? Like teach our kids to, to like the rhythm of slowing down and not feeling guilt or shame that you're stopping and you're not exercising or responding to all the emails or studying in their case. We're trying to set that example in them now and mm-hmm. still that in them that this is a lifelong you know, journey and habit we want to be a part of your life only because we've learned the hard way. We have what burned ourselves out. Yeah. Yes. So that's really what we're trying. And it's also good for Anthony and I too. We thoroughly enjoy it, but it's also just trying to model it and give them tools to grow up in a culture that says it's okay to rest. It's, mm. it's godly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good work today, right. guys. Yeah. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, Comments or concerns, don't hesitate to text Next Level Podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him, and our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thank you for joining us, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the next level. Boom! Prophecy.